0: Hi, I'm Josh McDonald.
1: And I'm Rhonda and we are Hand Therapy Academy.
0: We're going to talk today about joint mobilizations and when we use them, what they look like, how they work, a bunch of that stuff. We're going to get into joint mobs. Great.
1: So I guess the first question is, what do you use joint mobilizations for in your clinic? And are you doing most joints, some joints? Kind of tell me when, when you use them and when you don't.
0: I'll use them, I'd say sparingly. It's not a go-to for me um, as much because it's just not what I kind of came up relying on a ton when, when I was learning from other therapists. Um, but I do use it at times. I'll use it, for example, on stiff or uh, immobile wrists. I feel like post-tistaritis fracture, that kind of stuff. Um, I'll use it on PIP joints, maybe MCP joints. Sometimes just a gentle distraction is enough to kind of relieve some tension on the joint. and can feel really like a good release for that patient. Um, Then they can feel like they can move a little bit better after without the pain. Um, But I do want to make sure the patient is a good candidate for it. I want to make sure they're not hypersensitive to pain. Um, Make sure that they are obviously fractures are healed and they're far enough out that there's no contraindications for it. And I want to make sure it's something that they would be comfortable with. You know, you kind of get that vibe from a patient like, hey, this is maybe a little bit more than they're prepared to handle. I want to make sure that they're um, they're ready for it. And it's not something I'm jumping into too early.
1: Right. And I think that's a good point. I think when we think of joint mobilization, we sometimes think it has to be this really aggressive thing that chiropractors do or um, more manual therapists, not that we're not manual therapists, but more people that consider themselves manual therapists do. But I think there's a lot of, gentle ones we can do like joint distraction, right? That is a joint mobilization technique and it usually feels good for patients. So just opening up that joint up a little bit. And then I think also doing the joint distraction and moving that like with distal rate of fractures, you can actually improve range of motion and it that isn't necessarily more painful. I think most of the time it feels good for patients.
0: And so that that kind of leads us into the different grades of joint mobilization. We'll get into the mechanics of it a little bit uh, in a couple of minutes, but let's talk about the grades. I, in general, will hang out in the two, maybe three grade of uh, joint mobilizations, but there's also value in some of the others as well. So you've got a grade one joint mobilization, mobilization which is like a small amplitude movement at the beginning of the available range of motion so without any resistance just kind of like moving back and forth gliding volar or dorsal depending uh, within that early mid-range a grade two is a larger amplitude so i'm putting a little bit more force through um, throughout the middle of the range of motion so i'm just traveling a greater um, amount throughout the slack of that joints mobility grade three is still large amplitude but it's performed Um, In the middle, from the middle to the limit. So now I'm bumping up against the edges of that patient's available mobility of that joint. Not really range of motion because it's not flexing or extending, but, you know, that joint has some slack to it. Grade three, I'm kind of bumping up against the boundaries of that. Grade four is small amplitude performed at the end. So now I'm just hanging out at the end, bumping up against in uh, volar or dorsal glide um, with a small travel but all at the end range. And then grade five is that small amplitude, but high velocity. That's more that like cracking the neck, cracking the back kind of thing um, that may help with the release on some uh, some body structures. But I'm real hesitant. I I don't intentionally do that on patients. It's not something that is a goal of mine when I set out with a patient to do joint mobs. I'm usually more in that maybe one to three. Sometimes I'm using a one just to relieve some pain and, and discomfort around the joint but a two or a three to see if we can gain some range of motion as that patient's moving.
1: And then another, thank you for sharing that. So once you know, like the degree that you're going to do is you need to understand that joint convex on concave or concave on convex. You have to know the arthrokinematics to know what you hope to achieve from this joint mobilization. If you hope to achieve more range of motion, then you really need to understand the arthrokinematics. This is for pain relief, and you're probably just doing a little distraction.
0: Yeah. So this ki- goes back to our early years in anatomy, kinesiology stuff. It goes in the way back machine. And so we'll talk a little bit about convex on concave and concave on convex. Whichever one we list first is the distal member of that articular surface. So if I have, let's say, an MCP joint, I have a concave surface that's the distal end, excuse me, the proximal end of P1 and a convex metacarpal head. So it's concave on convex. That moves the way you would intuitively think. So if I want that MCP to flex more, I need to glide volarly the direction it would make sense for flexion. If it's the opposite kind of joint. If it's convex on concave, like a wrist joint, because the distal radius is concave and the first carpal row is convex, that goes the opposite direction. So if I want more wrist flexion, I need to glide dorsally. So that one's the counterintuitive. For us as upper extremity specialists, the only ones that are common for us in that situation, um, a wrist and a shoulder are probably the most common that we'll run into where we have to mobilize the other direction. Um, elbows can be a little bit different if you go to a mobilization course, you're doing things in different positions. So you kind of learn some different techniques with mobilizing those, but wrists and shoulders are really the primary ones that we're looking at as, um, as convex on concave, kind of opposite orientation. So if you want to move an flexion for a digit, chances are you need to do a volar glide.
1: Right. And I would say the thumb's a little different because it moves in multiple planes. So it actually has, it's a saddle joint. So you do, it depends on which direction you're trying to achieve. It has two planes of motion. And then the PRUJ and DRUJ um, are a little different than the flexion and extension plane.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a good point to mention. I will do um, that joint mobilization, some differential gliding. Um, to help with patients who have stiffness with rotation, um, sometimes just to help with that interosseous membrane that may be getting tight down the length of that um, the axis of the forearm, but even just to make sure that's not also getting bound up as well.
1: Yes. Yeah. So you got to know your arthrokinematics. If you don't know, you, you need to you know the convex on concave rule and then look at the joint. Which one is it? So like with the DRUJ, we know that the radius moves around the ulna. So you're going to be mobilizing the radius.
0: Yeah. And like Miranda said earlier, if I'm helping with pain, if I'm helping with dysfunction within the joint, I may go volar and dorsal. And I don't feel like there's much downside. If I'm trying to get wrist flexion, I know I need to glide dorsally, but I don't feel like there's much downside to saying like, you know, I might also do some like grade three into a volar glide because it's going to help with joint mobility. It's going to help with pain relief. It's going to help with some distraction and just getting ligamentous laxity in back into that joint. So there's a, a way I need to start with, but then it doesn't necessarily hurt to do some of those other directions as long as it's not contraindicated.
1: Yeah. And then you'll learn like how to position your body. I know sometimes we'll use the foam. What's the blue foam?
0: Blue foam wedge. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wedge. You can wedge it and wedge different like towels and stuff like that to improve um, your body position and the patient's as well.
0: Yeah. I'll also a lot of times use dysum or something like that on smaller digits. If I'm trying to get, let's say, PIP joint mobilization, I might take a little square of dyson and wrap it around P two uh and stabilize p1 and that gives me a little bit more purchase on that finger so i'm not sliding off the end of that fingers so i'm trying to do distraction maybe you, all i'm doing is distraction it just gives me a little more purchase on that p2 to get um to get that joint to distract a little bit better
1: yeah especially if you've been using lotion it's sometimes hard to get enough traction on the small joints
0: yeah i'll have them go wash their hands i'll have them come back and some dice them those kinds of things yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: sometimes i grab paper towels i think that works too
0: yeah yeah and let's talk about that cmc joint uh, the first cmc joint for arthritis patients Um, i typically will avoid grade two and above i might do some light distraction that can be just enough to relieve some tension and help relieve some pain in that joint but i'm not going to do much more than a grade one on those patients maybe even just distraction it can kind of simulate the grind test, which in of itself is uncomfortable. So it, yeah, I'm hesitant to do it if the patient has any history or indications of arthritis on that thumb joint.
1: And usually that joint's pretty mobile because it is a saddle joint too. So you're not as likely to do it from a joint stiffness standpoint either.
0: Yeah. 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 Even if they have like a shoulder sign uh, with uh, some advanced um, CMC uh, arthritis going on there, that's just going to encourage slippage, lack of stability. So I want to encourage the stability of that joint and doing joint mobs is kind of the opposite direction we want to go on. Yeah. So you let us know, is joint mobilization something you use in your practice a bunch? Is it something you, is a go-to for you early on with stiffness of joints? Or is it something you kind of like shy away from because you haven't maybe been to a good joint mobilization course? Those are kind of hard for us to find as upper extremity specialists. So let us know what you think reach out to us at info at handtherapyacademy.com or on uh, social media at uh, Hand Therapy Academy.